Welcome to Around the Keg, your one-stop shop for hot takes and cold beer. This week, we've got a lot on our plate. We've got the College World Series, Arch Manning's commitment to Texas, Jaden Rashada's commitment, Freddie Freeman returns to the ATL, Wimbledon, NASCAR, you name it, we got it this week. Now let's pop the tab. I'm saying is if you wear your hat fully on your head snug you got it tied tight all this you're a loser yeah, listen much. cool kids when they get hats that are just just too small and they put them right on top of their heads and they balance them just like uh just like roosters chris no no what, what, with beer cans. What, what's funny is actually peepop wears his hat like that because he's badass <laughs> yeah because no. he's cool <laughs> so, he's so, chill it's like uh you so, see on tiktok where they have the um like the little bits they do yeah yeah it's, somebody acts like a cop when they walk up to somebody's car and they're like hey sir this is a no parking zone you can't be here and the person's just like like oh sorry i didn't know you were that chill yeah you're good man just just hang there he walks off he's like man that guy's super chill yeah he does like so it's it's funny because peepop like he got in trouble because he bought a, a hat in oxford at the baseball game and he comes walking around and he's got it just like sitting on top of his head and you know mama deb was like what are you doing that hat looks terrible it looks like you're wearing a like one of those tall hats that he was like oh P-Pop's a big college sports guy, yeah. so when, when you watch college sports, you see college sports fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. College and sports fans are 90% of the time in college. Douchebags. They're exactly. in college, so he... So, just... a.k.a. chill as f- <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, Roosters Chris likes to also wear things on his head, and he was in Omaha supporting on the Rebs and their natty for baseball. Natty for baseball. Uh, I actually watched that, you know? I, I got into college baseball, had a good time, watched all of Omaha, all of the regionals, and um, I will say I was more psyched than I ever have been before for a team to win a national championship yesterday. Did like non-UGA? No, I mean, well, for, for a college baseball national championship, oh, okay, obviously. Okay. No, so uh, it's good that you say that, Whit, because I have been a major proponent of college baseball for years. Have you? I have. Numerous times has been stated on this very platform. But never, never, never has anyone really bought into the idea. And yet even Lando watched the Oklahoma game because it was Oklahoma. But he got into it. He was like, oh, this is this is fun. This is exciting. And yes, it's because it's Oklahoma. But it's only fun to watch your favorite team for any sport, really, anyways. Uh, college football being the exception in the NFL, where you can pretty much watch any game and, you know. You only get really super invested when it's your favorite team, though. I mean, I'll tell you, there, I think there's definitely people around who could watch every single college baseball game. You, I mean, you probably could, couldn't you? Uh, like especially SEC. Like, I can watch pretty much any SEC game. I but if you give me like Delta State versus Alcorn State in a, well, I couldn't watch that like, football either. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, but if you give me like a big series, like. Tennessee, Georgia, that's yeah. a game I could watch. Uh, or Florida State, Louisville, like teams that I don't really follow super close, but I know are traditionally good programs. Yeah, I can watch that. That's Well, see, for me, it, might, it was always if Georgia was in a game or Georgia Southern that mattered or they were in a big series or anything like that, I could watch that. Anytime besides that, I could not watch college baseball. College World Series, I never really watched it. I'd watch Georgia or Southern if they were in it, which – 
This was the first time that Southern was in it, uh, at least since I've been paying attention to George Southern baseball. Um, but this year, you know, I gave it a shot. Matt's been trying to get me into it since we've been in this podcast for about two years, or coming upon two years. Um, and, you know, I really enjoyed it. I got into the um, – what is it the ESPN does? I can't remember what it's called. Where they do like the multiple games. Oh, this was like, they changed the name of it like every like year. A, I think this was like. Multicam? Yeah, they, they'll have like, it's kind of like a red zone for college baseball of the regionals. Like yeah. where they jump around to all the games. Yeah, they jump around all the action. games. And then they do like the the four TV or the four screen. Yeah, they'll have like, like a quad screens or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't remember what it's called. It, it actually had a good name though. It wasn't just like a multicast. It was like a. Uh, no, it, it was. called like the dugout or like the. Uh, uh, I don't know the four I, horsemen. I don't know. No, I don't. They, they it, like every year. It kind of it was the rally, rally, uh, like the rally cam or something like that. Something like that. But yeah, but it was cool. I, I watched that a lot, and I um, the ones that I care about more were like when George was playing UNC in that region, and then Southern having their own region. I watched pretty much all of that. I know. I think I already said every single bit of what I'm saying right now in the last podcast, but. Either way, I watched all of Omaha. I kept up with it a lot because I had a bunch of friends that were there, too. Because I have a lot of friends that went to Ole Miss. And I had some friends that went to Arkansas. And uh, I saw, like, the reactions to the games. And uh, I know we'll probably get into it a little bit later. We saw the, uh, like, the Jello shot yes. competition yes. and that bar and all that kind of stuff. I didn't even know they did that. That was the first time I've seen that before. So they started it a few years ago. Um, but it's never really been that big. Like they'll update it and it'll be like something crazy. I, I'll go ahead and give a little bit of a spoiler. Ole Miss broke the record this year with 18,000. The previous record was set last year by Mississippi state at like 2,500, 18,000. All right, hold on. Let's do some math here because I know I saw on the sign. It was 450, a yes. jello shot. Yes. So if Ole Miss got 18,000 jello shots, I am terrible at math in my head. It's $81,000. $81,000. Just from Ole Miss. Just from Ole Miss. Just for Jello shots. It's not just even counting yes. any other drinks they bought there, which you know everybody was not just drinking Jello shots. Correct. You can't make a Jello shot last. Correct. You just plunge it straight into your mouth, and then you suck it down. And and on top of that, Arkansas had another 8,000 Jello shots. Did they? So, did you ever see a total of Jello shots for the entire weekend? Um, No, I didn't. You could add it up. I'll tell you this, Rocco's was glad to see who got eliminated early, get eliminated early, because Auburn didn't travel very well. Stanford didn't travel very well. The only ones that they probably would have wished lasted longer was like Texas, because they travel pretty well. Um, and maybe AM. I think AM traveled pretty well. Uh, Oklahoma did good, though. But Arkansas and Ole Miss were the two on that side of the bracket that they wanted to see go the longest because both of those schools travel well. They're both traditionally really good at um, at baseball. Arkansas, though, ironically, is now what Ole Miss has been looked at for the past few years. Ole Miss has been looked at, and coach Mike, head coach Mike Bianco has been looked at as, oh, they just can't get it done. They can't break through the glass ceiling. And it's always been, oh, well, and, and Ole Miss's camp, at least, it's been, I, I don't think Mike Bianco can do it. He's not the right guy. Because they would get to a Super Regional and then lose in three games. Now, two or three of those times they lost to someone who eventually went to the national championship. But now they 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 not only broke that because they were one for eight in Super Regional appearances. They'd only been to Omaha once in Mike Bianco's tenure, and that was in 2014, which is also the last time Georgia Southern was in a regional. It was in 2014, same year, uh, and this year Ole Miss goes from 
seven and fourteen in SEC play. There were seven games under five hundred in SEC play on May first, a month ago. Essentially, they were under five hundred. Well, and they started out the season number one, didn't they? Or like so they were earlier on the season. They were number. They one? They jumped up to number one, and then they were number one in the country going into their first SEC series of the season, which was Tennessee. Law got swept in that series. Or no, that was their second SEC series. Excuse me. Auburn was the first SEC series, and they took two out of three from Auburn. Then they went, and they had Tennessee play them in Oxford, got swept. And after the Auburn series, they had jumped up to number one. They get swept by Tennessee. The following weekend, they get swept by Alabama, and now they're looking at a two and eight record in or two and seven record in sec play and everyone started being like all right well that's a little worrisome and then they had kentucky and they their schedule got a little bit easier but the wins weren't coming like they were expecting to the sec was a little bit better than everybody wanted to give it credit for though because you had teams like kentucky that played really well late teams like texas a&m who were predicted at the beginning of the year to be at the bottom of the SEC who went to Omaha. And then you had teams like Mississippi State who won the national championship last year that didn't even make the SEC tournament. So the SEC was a lot better than it got credit for. And Ole Miss, it was just one of those things you were waiting on them to get hot. They broke through, they win the World Series, and now Arkansas is kind of the... Uh, the reason I say they're in that Ole Miss position is three years ago, they were playing against Oregon State in the Natty. There was two outs and the... Bottom of the ninth in game two. Arkansas had won game one. They're up two runs. Foul ball should have been caught. Arkansas drops it. That guy ends up walking. Next guy comes up, hits a two-run homer, ties the game. Oregon State wins that game and then wins the series the next day. And that's like the what could have been for Arkansas. They've never won the World Series, and but they are so frequently there. See, to me, that right there, like what you were just talking about with Arkansas, that's like a Falcons Super Bowl kind of bad juju that comes upon that team. Like, I mean, what year was that? 2000? That was, I think, 2017 or 2018. Okay. I remember that happening. I really didn't watch the games that much just because I wasn't that into it. But I remember seeing it on SportsCenter like the next morning because I thought Arkansas had won. Like, I remember I went to sleep thinking like, oh, they already won. The game. I think it was 2018 because 2017 was LSU Florida. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I remember that, too. Oh, maybe I do pay more attention than I think I do. Either way, stuff like that. It's it's the same coach and everything too, right? Yeah, Dave Van Horn. Yeah. He's been there. He's been there for years. See, stuff like that when that happens, I feel like seven to eight times out of ten, you're gonna have to clean house to get over that. Like it's tough to go from like a heartbreaking loss like that, like the Falcons in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, and then turn around and reconvene and figure out what you did wrong and go win a. I would, I would say the difference is, though, it's in baseball and football are such different sports in that regard. Because in baseball, yeah, like, that sucks. But normally there's always tomorrow, and they did. They, it, it's kind of like the Red Sox in, in the 86 World Series against the Mets. The ball goes through Buckner's legs. That was in Game 6. It wasn't Game 7. Steve Bartman and the Cubs in 03 and that NLCS against the Marlins, that was in Game 6, not Game 7. There was always that next day. And, yeah, it's the bad juju, but, like, if they win the next game, if the Red Sox win game seven in 1986, you don't talk about Steve Bartman or uh, Bill Buckner. If the Cubs win game seven in 2003, you don't know who Steve Bartman is. That name just goes away completely. With with Dave Van Horn, like, they're still making it to Omaha. Why You can't – they're still consistently in Super Regionals. Like, and this was my argument because – 
even our own buddy Nathan was on the fire coach B, coach B train forever uh, with with Ole Miss, and and my argument was consistently. If this is ba- if you want to put this in basketball terms, you're basically saying that the super regionals are the Sweet 16. If you've got a coach who's gotten you to the Sweet 16 eight times in his tenure, and yeah, you've only made it to the Elite Eight once, that like you're, you're annoyed. But if you're a program that prior to him being there was never even in the tournament, wouldn't you be happy with being in the Sweet 16? and being relevant every year. And yeah, like, and knowing that eventually something's got to give and you're going to break through, or do you want to take the risk on going from being in the sweet 16 every year and then becoming irrelevant if you don't make the right hire? So honestly, if you want to look at it in a football sense, it's really more of a Kirby smart kind of deal after losing to Alabama more so than the Falcons kind of deal. I, I just w- compare I everything to football. So I got to compare it. Yeah. If we're, if we're putting it in football terms, <laughs> Dave Van Horn is more of the Kirby than Dan Quinn. Because if you if you look at Dave Van Horn and what he's done with Arkansas, I mean, Arkansas wasn't a super relevant program before he got there. He's come in, they've been a perennial contender every single year. They've made it to the Super Regional numerous times. They've been in Omaha several times. Now, last year, they were what Tennessee was this year where they were the the team that was going to dominate everybody. They were the number one team in the country. They were consensusly beating everybody, and then they lost in the Super Regional to NC State. It's all about who gets hot. Wait, to put this back into football terms for you, I was on the fire coach B train because it's like having Mark Richt as your head coach. You're consistently relevant, but you're never winning the natty. And I under, And I understood that argument, too. I understand that argument. The difference to me is baseball and football are two different sports in the sense that there's crazy things that can happen in a baseball game. Like not the best team doesn't always win in a baseball game or in a baseball series. Like last year, the Braves were not the best team in baseball, but they won the World Series. It was all about getting hot at the right time. I think we could all agree with that. I agree with that for sure. And and so it's it's about getting hot at the right time. Whereas in football you have one game. If you've got more talent, you're expected to win. So, for how are we were putting with Arkansas, would we say Tennessee is kind of starting to get into that same kind of realm of no. not really getting it done? No, no, I wouldn't put them there. I wouldn't put them there because they haven't made they, it. Well, they were they were so down for so many years as a program. This is only the third year of Tony or fourth year of Tony Vitello being there, and in year one they were not very good. I, if 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 this was year three, I'm I'm trying to remember if this is year three or four. Now he comes from the Dave Van Horn tree. He was an assistant at Arkansas before getting the head job at Tennessee. He came into Tennessee and immediately turned it around to a point where they were in Omaha last year, and then they were the number one team in the country this year. Even though they weren't ranked number one all year, they were the number one team all year long. I mean they they lost a series at Kentucky, but it's baseball. It's weird. Like you. I don't know. I, I just I think you have to equate it in a little bit different light. Like you can compare it to football, but it's not the same type of game in the sense that the best team doesn't normally win. Well, you know, I'm just getting into college baseball. I'm starting to get the feel for it, understand the game. Uh, either way, another thing that I'm starting to get a feel for, used to be big into it, not super into it now, 
is recruiting. There's a lot of stuff going on with recruiting right now. Uh, we just had Arch Manning, who is probably the biggest recruit of all time, I'd say, or at least in the 24-7 sports era, just commit to the University of Texas over the University of Georgia and the University of Alabama. Uh, love to hear your take on that. Well, I, I called it. Like, numerous times I've said he's going to Texas. Well, and, and he's actually still silently committed to Georgia. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Personally. Um, <laughs> the, the reason that I've said from the get-go was, and we've talked about this a lot with Sark being hired as the head coach at Texas, and I know that you weren't really big on that. And I told you... I'm still not. Yeah, I know, and I know, I know you're still not. And he's still going to be the determining factor in whether or not Arch is even successful, in my opinion. But the whole reason that I said I would put my eggs in that basket is because I thought he was going to get Arch Manning. I thought that Arch Manning was going to go to Austin, Texas. And it's because in the initial part of me reading about Arch and everything that was going on with him, the first name that he mentioned of, of having the best relationship with as a freshman was Steve Sarkeesian, offensive coordinator at Alabama at the time. And so he was really high on Alabama, but he said in his comments, the reason that I was so big on Alabama initially was because of Steve Sarkeesian. I have started to build this the same type of relationship with Nick Saban, but I really like Coach Sark. We've gotten really close. And so to me, it was as soon as Sark was hired at Texas, it became the immediate favorite for Arch. Now, the Georgia connection came from Matt Luke, and I think Matt Luke leaving Georgia and stepping away from his role actually hurt Georgia in their ability to get him because the Manning family is really close with the Lukes because Matt Luke played at Ole Miss. I believe his brother was on the same team as Eli. Archie knows everybody and everything that's going on at Ole Miss. So I, I in my opinion, that was where the the lines were drawn initially and then Kirby was able to do what Kirby does best, which is be a heck of a recruiter. And started to convince him like, yeah, this is more than just Matt Luke, this is, you know, UGA. Well, and I'll say this, too. I think, granted, my feelings for Sark, I'm not huge on him. I don't think he's the best head coach or hasn't been the best head coach. But it's hard to knock him as a QB coach. Everywhere he's gone, he's always developed QBs well. He's ran pretty good offenses, I'd say, except for at the Atlanta Falcons, which I think he did terrible at. Uh, granted, he didn't have – I mean, he had pretty good talent, but it wasn't, like, unbelievable besides Julio Jones. Um, and I think he had Calvin Ridley too. Either way, I just think that he has, he's had his chances before. Um, obviously, he's gone through a lot since he was the head coach at USC and head coach at Washington. And he didn't do bad at Washington either. I just think for him, it's more of a can't get over the hurdle of being like the leader of a program, being the face of a program. And for something that big, I think it's very similar to what, what he had at USC. And I think it's just too much pressure for him. But I see why Arch Manning went together. It's hard to say. Yeah, you know, he probably doesn't care that much about him as a head coach as he does about him as a QB developer. As a Manning, you got to think business decision. I want to be first round pick. I want to be number one overall pick. I want to be developed the way I need to be developed at Georgia. Was he going to get that? Probably not. I mean, have you seen Georgia develop anybody? Yeah. I haven't at all ever. Right. So, and that's that's a knock on Georgia, and I'll take that knock for Georgia all all day. I mean. The only QB we've ever had that has done well in the NFL is Matthew Stafford, and I wouldn't say that's from development. So, yeah, I'm, I I think that that was taken into consideration. Um, I just feel like the the vibe that I've gotten from Arch this whole time was 
it was it, the Mannings to me. They kept everything on on lock, but I feel like it was very relationship based, and that's why Ole Miss never had a chance at getting Arch, even though his dad played at Ole Miss, grandpa played at Ole Miss, uncle played at Ole Miss. Uh, I think no one has openly said it, but I think as long as Lane Kiffin was the head coach at Ole Miss, the Mannings don't really like the way that he runs things there. And they don't really love the the presence that he has on social media. Now, are they going to outwardly say that? No, because the Ole Miss fan base loves Lane Kiffin. And why wouldn't you? I mean, he's done such good things for the program. The momentum's going in the right direction. I just think that that, that played a role in Arch Manning's recruitment. Now, one thing that I could see, and I don't know that this is going to be the case, but Quinn Ewers being there at Texas does throw a little bit of a wrench. Now, Eli redshirted his first year as a, as a freshman at Ole Miss. I don't think that they're necessarily going to just throw in the towel, but you do have to look at it in the stance that in the event that Quinn Ewers does start next year and Arch Manning is not the quarterback, does that, with the transfer portal rules in today's game, does that throw any type of wrench in there? Do you think Arch Manning is going to be a starter as a junior or a senior at the University of Texas, or do you think that he leaves eventually? I think Arch Manning, the same as any guy that's like him, is not going to wait more than a year. I could see him waiting a year. I, I feel like he would have no problem. I could see him sitting a year behind Quinn Ewers. I mean, Quinn Ewers is another guy that I think he was one of three people ever who have been like as high as you can possibly get for um, – for rating from 24-7. Yep, and all three of them went to Texas. It was Vince Young, Quinn Ewers, and now Arch Manning, who, was, who will be going there as of now. Obviously, there's a lot to still be happening. I mean, Texas has come out and go 3-9 and nine this year, and he could be like, I'm absolutely not going to go there. Why would I go somewhere where I'm going to be 3-9 and nine every year instead of going to Alabama, playing with uh, Bill O'Brien, or going to Georgia and being with Todd Munkin and actually – competing for a national championship. I think Bill O'Brien negatively impacted Alabama's recruit recruitment of Arch. I, 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 I believe that that's the case. I mean, I, I, it's great that he has the NFL experience and all that, but, I mean, you have to look at it for what it was. I mean, Alabama's offense took a step back last year from where it was with Steve Sarkeesian. So, so if when you when you uh, when you throw that into consideration, I mean, now granted they did lose a lot of there was a lot of NFL talent. Uh, yeah, was, I was about to say. I'm, I mean, I'm, I know I know you're not the uh, the biggest Bill O'Brien fan, but I'll say with him, and obviously this is a little bit off topic, but he didn't have you know Devontae Smith, didn't have Jalen Waddle and Najee Harris. Yeah, I, and and you know I I get it. I'm I'm not knocking him completely. Well, and I was gonna say Bill O'Brien has had a good track record with quarterbacks over his career. Well, well. yeah, I mean he was with the Patriots. Yeah, exactly. I and mean, then, and, yeah, Tom Brady. But, <laughs> so, but and then he had Deshaun Watson in Houston, and yeah, yeah he was having I, his issues now. But 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 I I just feel like it, it when you look at it on paper. I mm -hmm. mean, and I know that again, I'm not knocking Bryce Young either because he won the Heisman Trophy. I mean, he, well, he actually sucks though. Yeah, so. apparently. Um, my whole thing with Bill O'Brien is is when you look at it on paper, statistically, uh, Alabama's offense regressed, and it. It's kind of was was to be expected. First year starter at quarterback, a first year starter at running back, a whole new receiver, slew of receivers. Uh, it was not the uh, the the polished offense that was left for Sarkeesian to kind of run. However, 
on paper, there was a step back, and I do think that that played somewhat of a role in there. And because there are a lot of people that were – there was things that tendency-wise, Bill O'Brien didn't do well, like, you know. I would be curious of how much um, how much the factor of I want to go play for a school that has not been proven to win national championships with anyone and, and everyone also kind of played into it. Because, I, I mean – I listened to Josh Pate. I know we yeah. talk about Josh Pate a lot on this podcast. I was listening to his podcast, uh, I guess it was last week, right after he committed. And he was saying that from like his sources and stuff, that Arch Manning is that kind of guy. Like he's not the type of guy to go play for Alabama where like, you know, Mac Jones, who obviously has been a lot better than we thought he would be, could be um, um, Alabama. We, we, we sorry. We not Matt. <laughs> that besides besides Matt, of course. But Either way, like what I'm saying is anybody could go play for Alabama and win a national championship because they have the greatest coach of all time. Anybody can go play for Georgia. I mean, Stetson Bennett, look what he did at Georgia last year, just won a national championship. So it's like, I, per what Josh Pate was saying, it seems like Arch kind of has that feel to him where he's like, I don't want to go be a, just another guy to win a national championship at Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, whatever. I want to be the guy to go – and bring a school like Texas back from where they used to be back in the day where they were winning national championships every year and, and play for a guy like Steve Sarkeesian who's going to develop me to be an NFL quarterback. But see, I, I, I believe that same thing, and that's why I say that Lane Kiffin has to be the only reason he's not going to Ole Miss. Well, that's because, what I was going to say. Because if you, if you look at – if you take it from that perspective, and I agree with that completely because I feel like – I felt like that from the get-go. That's why I thought Ole Miss had a shot because what pressure do you have? Like I mean, honestly, like if you think about it, what pressure do you have to to go in there? If you win ten games at Ole Miss, if you win ten games, you're getting a statue outside of Vaught Hemingway as the quarterback. I mean, they, they, it's not like they've got this long record of success of winning national championships. So if you go to a Sugar Bowl and win, or if you make the college, if all he has, all he had to do was win the SEC West. They've never even been to the SEC championship. So all he had to do is win the SEC West once, and he's a legend forever. So why not Ole Miss? It has to be Lane Kiffin. Well, the thing is, is he's about to go play in the SEC West. Yeah, Texas. or whatever it is that they yeah. decide to do yeah, whenever they come doing, in. But, but when is that? Is it, are they moving that up, or is that still going to be like 2024, 25? It's supposed to still be 2025 right now. So yeah. I guess that would put Arch at – He'd be a junior. He'd be a junior – no, because next year will be his first year, 2023. His freshman year will be 24, sophomore year will be 25. If he redshirts. So 2022, 2023. Quinn years in Arch will only be on that team for one year together. Correct. Right. Yeah, I'm with you there. Either way. But, yeah, he'll have to play against Alabama and yeah, and the SEC West or whatever they end up doing with the SEC, which is very much up for the I also think that, that played a role into it, too. With mm -hmm. Texas, I, I think that Texas was behind if they stayed in the Big 12. I don't mm -hmm. think that Arch would have been one. I think that when, the moment that that was done last summer, where Texas and Oklahoma said, yeah, we're officially joining the SEC, that's when, in my opinion, it was pretty much signed and sealed. But see, I also Texas. don't really understand that, though. Why would that be more attractive to Arch to go play for the SEC than play in the Big 12? Because who's going to In the Big 12, he could just light everybody up the way that every Oklahoma quarterback does. Right, but but every year, who's consistently playing in the most watched games? You're telling me Arch Manning is not going to be Arch on Manning, national Ar television? Arch Manning would be on national television, but do you, do you, do you think or do you disagree that Arch Manning, if if Texas is staying, it stays in the Big Twelve. Do you think that that's going to trump an Alabama LSU game on a Saturday if Arch Manning's playing against Kansas? 
If Texas, if Arch Manning's no, playing against, no, and Texas negative. are playing Kansas. All right, what about Arch Manning playing against Kansas State? What about Arch Manning playing against Oklahoma State? Is that going to beat Georgia, Florida? Is that going to beat Auburn, Georgia? Is, is that going to beat? If is, Texas is good, yeah, because it, it's Texas. You got to remember, but Texas is the biggest brand name in college football. The Here. SEC is the biggest brand name in college football. Okay, yeah. so if 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 Texas stays in the Big Twelve, and you've got Texas, Kansas State, or you've got huge or you or you've got georgia auburn or florida lsu i mean like you get the list of of games and the amount of talent that's going to be on that field that's going to play in the nfl and the sec is significantly higher than texas and anybody other than oklahoma in the big 12 well and i know we haven't really talked about this much either but i'm sure in some way some nil deal kind of pushed them towards texas over like an Ole Miss or like a Tennessee. I know they. Have I, to talk I, about I, it, I do. I but. do agree to an extent, but I think Art the Manning name was such a brand in itself that the national NIL money would bring itself to wherever he went. I mean, he was going to make a lot of money no matter what. Yeah, but obviously going to you could make more money going to Texas than any other program. Well, uh, except in, unless you go to A and M. <laughs> yeah, or, so, or somewhere in Texas. Yeah, somewhere in Texas is going to be the most. No one wants to go to A and M. Come on now. But it, it, except for all the best recruits last year, <laughs> I just. I, I don't know. I Arch going to Texas. I, I think that now Sar, Sark's on the Sark's on the clock. Sark's on the clock. Well, if if you don't win early with Arch Manning, then you're going to be in trouble. Well, and that's the thing too is, as I was saying earlier, obviously I'm not a big fan of Steve Sarkeesian. I don't have a lot of belief in him, but you can't deny that he is. He's done everything he can so far to raise the program up. Like he's trending in the right direction. And even without the Arch Manning commitment, he was trending in the right direction already. He's recruited pretty well. Um, he's done very well with transfers. I think he's done a good job of kind of weeding out the guys that don't need to be there too, which I think is a huge, huge thing you got to do in a program like that that's been down for so long. Um, so I think, I mean, like I'm still out on Steve Sarkeesian, um, but I think right now as an unbiased source, I think – He's doing a really good job, and I think it'd be hard to see him not at least competing for a couple playoffs, maybe a national championship at some point. Uh, at least until Arch Manning transfers or <laughs> yeah, or leaves yeah, it, to go to the NFL. It just Arch Manning to me was the big fish because there's going to be kids that follow him. Right. And that that's where, whenever I've talked about this before with – I think I even talked about this on our episode last year. Whenever Texas and Oklahoma were official, I was like, Arch Manning's going to Texas, and that's going to be when when that happens, it's going to be all the things that – the dominoes that fall behind Arch is what's going to be the biggest get for Texas. Not just Arch going to Texas. It's going to be the five-star running back that wants to play with Arch Manning and the five-star receivers that want to play with Arch Manning because they know that well, the Manning last name – And not to mention the big-time transfers from yeah, and, schools like well, Alabama where they're bringing over that was, like a Jai Hall and guys like that. But that was before the transfer portal was even like right, sure. wide open. So it, now, yeah. Now, like, it, it was starting to get pretty wide open it, last it, year. It, it was. It was. It wasn't like it is now. Now, right. I mean, I feel like last year was a trial run. Now it's like – it is just wild, 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 wild west, big time, big time. But I'll say so far, I mean, through like one year of it being pretty wild, it hasn't made like a huge difference in terms of play on the field. I think it'll change this year with the way that this year has been, especially, especially with the quarterback. Well, I think that's where that's where Ole Miss to me is going to be the most interesting case. Yeah, because Jackson Lane Park. Lane Kiffin is the portal king. Yeah, he got he gets Zach Evans from TCU. Yep, he gets. Uh, 
Jalen Robinson, I think is his name, the wide receiver from UCF. Yep. Uh, oh, yeah, he was a stud last he year. Was, yeah, he was a stud. The he tight gets, end he from... Gets the tight end from USC, Michael Trigg. Trigg he gets yeah. uh, Jackson Dart yep. from, from USC, too. Now, Altmaier that was behind Corral last year was pretty good. I'd be shocked um, if he beat out Jackson Dart. Though. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I think ath- athletically he's a freak. If you watch the spring game, which... Well, and I was going to say, like, he, assault, he but, played well in the Sugar Bowl, too, but he wasn't like, holy crap, this guy's insane. Like, but, obviously, I mean, Lane was, has a whole offseason to right, develop him. Right, too. right. So, I mean, if you but if you look at the, all the talent that Ole Miss has brought in, plus the defensive talent that yeah. they've brought in, too, like, that's where Ole, I think that Ole Miss is like your case study for will the transfer portal work? Because they're going to be... I mean, they're, they're reloading with what they... Everything they lost plus gaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they... I mean, obviously, losing Matt Corral is going to be huge, but what they added at every other position that they were not de- – that I think where they're going to be in trouble is just like last year's depth. Mm-hmm. Like when you go into the transfer portal and you add all these frontline guys, like that's great, but then when you have injuries at wide receiver and Jalen Robinson's down and uh, you know another big receiver goes down, what do you have behind them? And that's where schools that are leaning more on the transfer portal are going to be hurting because they're not focusing on much as much on those developing young talent. But it's proven talent that you're getting. True, true. And honestly, you know, speaking about NIL deals, uh, Ian over here. Well, actually, you go ahead and go. You had something. To say. Uh, okay. I was, well, I was, I kind of forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> but I mean, that was kind of like what you were talking about. Everything that comes behind with Arch. That was the biggest thing that I was sad about with Arch not going to Georgia. As I was like, there was one kid. I think his name's Cedric Baxter Jr., five-star running back. This kid is on record. I think a million times been like. Alabama's like that school to me. Alabama's the school. Like when I got that Alabama offer, my me and my family were like, why not put him in the top five? All this stuff. Arch Manning goes to Texas and then it's immediately he gets like a Steve Wiltfong like crystal ball, which in recruiting is like a fong bomb, which is like if you see him put a crystal ball, that's like a almost like a hundred percent guarantee that kid's going there. And this kid is probably on record said Alabama's his dream school like six times. Like, I mean, this like if anything. I hate this saying, but if anything's going to bring Texas back, it's Arch going there even if Arch doesn't play good because the things that are going to follow him before people realize, okay, like I think he's going to be good, but if he is a bust, just if he is, by the time people realize that, there's going to be so much weaponry to follow that it's not going to matter. Yeah, I I don't necessarily think he's going to be a bust. I don't think he'll be a bust. But I don't. I also don't know that he's going to live up to a five-star plus. Oh, uh, like I mean, it, it helps when your last name's Manning, but then when you see some of his highlights and he's playing against like JV squads, yeah. It, I mean, I don't, I don't think, who I, I don't against. think he's gonna be a bust either. But I will say something that was brought up to me the other day that I find really interesting is he is avoiding any and all kind of like elite eleven, yeah, okay. all that kind of stuff, all the recruiting big camps like that. Like he's doing like a lot of training stuff, but. Like Lee Evans, I mean, no. it, it, and, but, Elite Eleven or go hang out with your uncle Peyton. Like Jake Beeson didn't have to do it. And, yeah, uh, no, Justin Fields and well, Justin Fields did because he was hurt. But like Trevor, well, Trevor Lawrence didn't do it. I don't think either. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence did. and Justin Fields both did Elite Eleven. Justin oh, they did Elite Eleven. Yeah, Justin I'm talking about like Under Armour All American Game, yeah, Ar- yeah, yeah. Uh, Army All American Game. I can't remember if Trevor Lawrence did or not. I don't think you did. Tua did. Tua was Tua did. Tua did. Yeah, I mean, and Bryce Young did. Yeah, in um. Who's the other guy? Well, DJ Uyangale did, but obviously he sucks. I mean, you either did, way, like you know what I'm saying though. Like, even usually the guys that are that highly recruited, like Quinn Ewers too, like they go and do that stuff. Yeah. Unless they leave early, like well, I was like Quinn Ewers did. But the um, 
that's why I'm like, okay, he doesn't have to do it, but also, why is he not doing it? No, I, you there. also don't see much footage of him really. Exactly. Like, really, the only plays you see are him playing like these like really crappy, mm-hmm. like and even like his private last school teams. Game, his junior year, I think he threw three picks and a, only one touchdown. I mean, if you think about his it, his stats are not eye popping. No, I mean it. It. it, it Again, I don't want to. I don't want to bash him and then this be on old takes exposed. No, 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 in no. like two years, but yeah, I'll say I'm not bashing like, him either because like, I think he's going to be I, a superstar. I, I think. I mean, when you're lat, but you have to raise the question. This is like whenever Tom Brady's kid ends up being a quarterback and going to Michigan, everyone's going to be like, "Oh, well, is he going to be a bust? Is it just is is he is is he the five star that everyone's rating him to be, or does the last name have an effect on it? I think the last name plays." A little bit of an effect on it because I mean, just it, I mean, athlete. If you look at him, kid's a stud. I mean, he's got the body for being a, a QB. He's a freak. I mean, if you think, I mean, he's only 16, 17, maybe seventeen at this point. Yeah, which I mean, he's not a he's he's young, and if like he's he's huge. <laughs> I, I will say I have watched some footage of where he went to like Clemson for a camp or something. And he was throwing some very deep, perfect throws. Yeah, I was going to say, any kind of footage I've seen of him, yeah. but you can also, you can manipulate footage yeah, also. And that's and, 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 and I'm not saying that in the sense of, like, I'm, I'm calling it now, if Arch he, Manning is going to be a bust. You know, I record think, that. I think the biggest, <laughs> I think the biggest but, thing about it is he has the support system to help him succeed. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. the biggest, that's going to be the biggest thing for him. That kid could have all the tools all day, but I think it's that family support and the brains that's going to keep And that's him. what I've been saying since he even was, like, starting to be looked at as a recruit and everything. It's like, how can a kid who's in the same family as Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, Arch Manning, or uh, Archie Manning, even be somewhat of a bust? Like, he can't be. Like, I could see him not being Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, the way that those guys were in college. But he's gonna be really good, no matter what. Yeah, like, I mean, he'll he'll be an absolute superstar. It, now, it, granted, will he be the best player of all time? Like everybody thinks he's gonna be. That's that's what, what you're saying, Matt. Like you're saying he's he might not be, but and I'm not, I, and we're not saying I, he's not gonna be. I'm, I'll go on record to say he'll be a first round draft pick. Oh yeah, yeah. He'll be a first round draft pick. I mean, he'll probably be the number one pick. I mean, unless he, he just really really sucks. It, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm just saying, even if he's not, he doesn't live up to the hype. He'll yeah. be a first round draft pick. Yeah. Last name Manning, the resources that come with it, and the play that are going to be around him, he's going to have the talent to compete against any and everybody. I mean, even if you're a horrible team, you draft Arch Manning, people are going to come and want to watch Arch yep. Manning play. So if anything, it's a PR thing. Like, he's getting, he's going to go somewhere, no matter what, almost. I did find your NIL point interesting, though, because if it is, there's rumors that Jaden Rashada, who I actually mentioned on the last podcast, is being like that second guy that I was hoping that I, I thought was going to be really good, that's kind of getting overshadowed by Arch and this whole thing. He committed yesterday to Miami, the one in Florida, and it's rumored that he got a $9.5 million NIL deal and that that's what drove him to Miami. Of course, he is denying that that's how much he got. Obviously, he's not going to come out and be like, oh, yeah, these dudes paying me $9.5 million. So that would just be like from a collective, right? Like what yeah, we were talking about last right. week. So, so the way that this whole thing works, and I don't know, I think I'm sure we've talked about it before, but this is where the whole Nick Saban thing started. Yeah, we talked about it's, it last week. He he was he was at the 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 a thing for boosters basically explaining like all of you come together and you form a collective and you put money in this pot and then we pull money from that pot. We like we as the coaches don't, but 
the collective can go to these players that are coming to the the school that are committed and all that, and they can create opportunities. How long do you think until we start seeing like I LLCs and stuff? The, all right, so here's already, here's I here's think we're already seeing. Is it already, is it I, thing? I think what we're gonna what we're gonna see is uh, because of this year, because the NIL is so wide open and there are no rules and regulations. The NCAA is looking at this and they're like, we've screwed up royally by releasing this and not having anything in place. Because the only thing that they say is you can't entice players to come to the school with, with money. But, I mean... Because that definitely like, does not have it. Like, yeah, I mean, the, Nick Saban is not the only coach that's come out and said anything about Texas A&M. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. It, it, it always is. Anytime you look back at like the old, all the schools that were getting in trouble back in the day, anytime that there was smoke, there was fire. Like any school that got investigated, they found a crap ton more than there was even being mentioned. So I'm sure that there's nothing to police it. There's nothing to police NIL at all right now. So I think what we're going to see before it gets too bad is like, hey, you can only make X amount of dollars at your school until after you graduate or. Something along those lines. I also feel like they probably need to put a rule in where it's like you can't get NIL until you're like a junior, like you're until you're like a draft eligible age. Because then I like well, that kind of defeats it. Yeah, but okay, but then you're not having Jaden Rashada going to Miami on a rumor of. I would say may, maybe if you're going to do anything, maybe like pre college, like you can't be like, or I mean, they could just cap place. it because then that kind of. I mean, that's what I meant by like, yeah. like, like. And so if you if you tell if you tell a, a kid across the board, hey. Because I think initially, I remember reading reports that what Alabama was setting up for their NIL system was their plan was that, hey, the state, this was like a state and the athletic directors all getting together to figure it out was, all right, we're going to say that if a kid is promised or makes a million dollars of NIL while he's in school at Alabama. We're going to give him a hundred thousand dollars per year that he's here, or whatever. And he made he made a million, but everything that's over a hundred thousand dollars in that year, we're going to put it in a capital gains account, essentially, where it's like, hey, you don't or a CD or some sort of investment where you don't touch the, you can't touch this money until you graduate, but you're going to gain money off of interest off of everything too. Mm-hmm. So it's teaching kids how to invest. And, you know, hey, football is probably not going to work out for every single one of you. Someone is going to get hurt. But now if you continue to play through your junior year and you made a million dollars each year in your NIL, you only got $100,000 to get you through every year. A college kid, I promise you, you can – yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like I, I'm, I'm saying only, but yeah, I, I wouldn't you, mind that. If you think about it as a college kid, you, you most most college kids make it off of like I'd say twenty to thirty thousand dollars to get to get through a year, and so when Depends you get on how much ramen you buy, but well, yeah. right, right, right. But I mean, you know, with, with that being with with that being said, a hundred thousand dollars, you're still living very comfortably in college. You're paying for your tuition if you need to. You're paying for whatever it is that you've got to pay for, and on top of that, you've got nine hundred k that's going into a bank that's going to just grow interest. And so by the time you graduate, you're going to be a millionaire regardless. I think that's smart. I think that's really smart. I mean, I, I can't argue against that because at that point, you're actually setting the kids up for their life. You're not just like, oh, hey, here's some money. Come just be. I think the only issue I see with that is the system and the fans and the players are not going to want to have something controlling the money they're making. 
that's, that's the biggest the, thing. That was the whole reason we had Yeah, that was like the whole point of doing the NL in the first or the NIL in the first place is these guys are the ones that are making the NCAA and these schools so much money off of football. It, the players are the reason it's, it's that big. Right, but they're and they are still making the money. Right, right. Well, and so, trust me, I'm not arguing against so, you. I think I think you're right, but I think what the argument is going to be is players are going to be like if I can make $9.5 million, I want that $9.5 million right now. Well, you I get, can get it now, and then I can get more money later. And, Matt, you get to the point, too, where you have these players who are like, I could, you know, I need to get my family out of poverty now. And that's I don't, it. Which, which, I, uh, which I understand, but that's not what the point of NIL was to right. begin with. The point of NIL is that we're setting you up to be successful for your future. That's what college is about. That's what collegiate athletics is, is you are, you are not, like... Prior to NIL, were there kids that were getting illegal benefits and helping their families out? Of absolutely. Of course not. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course <laughs> not. No, absolutely there was. But that that was, at least in my opinion, it was a little more controlled or put under wraps. Like there was things in place. If you tell a kid, hey, you know, and it's across the board from an NCAA regulation, like you can make as much money as you want. But whatever you make is you're only allowed to get a hundred thousand dollars. So and I yeah, like Jaden Rashada, all right, you're getting nine point five million from this NIL deal. But you're only gonna get a hundred thousand dollars a year while you're in school. The rest of that is going to be put into an account, it's going to be invested, you're gonna get interest on it, so you'll make that money whenever you come back. However, if you transfer, your NIL deals are gone too. So it will it will temper down on some of the recruiting that's going on, like the the tampering that they're talking about with that's happening with recruiting with kids that are jumping in the transfer portal. Uh, what's his name? Satterfield at Louisville is the one that was complaining about this. So if you if you want to kill two birds with one stone, you've got a little bit of an opportunity. There. And I I'm I'm with you on it. I I think that's a good idea. It's a good way to get transfers from transferring and all that as much as it's been because honestly the way that things are right now cannot be sustained for the next like 15 years we can't have transfers just taking off whenever we can't have people making 9.5 million dollars before they even step on field at the university of miami did you ever hear what lane kiffin said he was like if i was uh bryce young he's like I'd, i would enter the transfer portal he said I mean, not like with intent to leave, but it's like, okay, who's not going to throw money? It's just, it becomes a bidding war. It's like free agents. And that's what I I put that in our group today. I said, look, yeah, I agree with what Lane Kiffin said. He's right. He's 100%. Because because at this point, if I'm Bryce Young, I'm going to say, well, uh, I just saw Jaden Rashad. I got nine and a half million from Miami. I entered the transfer portal. I've won at least 11. Mm -hmm. So, like, all right. (laughs) One thing that I like to talk about that I I really want to talk about. So the whole thing with Jaden Rashada, just while we're on the thing, if he makes that $9.5 million in one year, he's making more than Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, Tua, and old Jets boy, but Zach Wilson. I mean, that's, he's, that's like he's making more money than all these first-round draft picks. In good for him. That's why I think— That's insane. At the very, very least, they just have to cap it. Like, you yeah. got to cap it like— Half a million dollars, three hundred thousand dollars, something like that, or even even a million dollars, like something to where you can't just go, okay, I'm making a million dollars here, but Ole Miss is going to pay me fifteen million dollars, or Alabama is going to pay me fifteen million dollars to go play there, or a booster from Alabama, not the actual university, right? So, like, that's that's my biggest thing with the NIL stuff is it's become a 
you it, you're bidding for recruits and you're bidding for transfers. It's not a you're going to play for a school because you like the school and you like the coaches. You're going to play for a school because well, Miami's going to pay me nine point five million dollars. Who cares if they haven't won anything since two thousand? There was a rumor that Florida was going to pay him more though, and he still went with Miami. Like they said, like he was going to get nine point five from Miami, but Florida offered him eleven. Now, if this trends up like this, do you think that there is any way that you see more players staying for the fourth year if they're going to be making more than NFL players in their same position? Uh, yes, but I also think that it's dangerous. It, like you're, you're treading choppy waters here if you're the NCAA because you're getting to a point where, and now in, in most cases, in the SEC specifically, kids are going to do that because they're the fan bases in the in the south only really we care more about college football than the nfl i mean like it, it when you when you break it down as as far as passion goes people in florida care more about florida state the university of florida and miami than they care about the dolphins the jags and the bucks that's just a fact you go to alabama there are no professional sports teams mississippi there are no professional sports teams Georgia, you've got the Falcons, but quite frankly, you ask any Georgia fan if they would rather the Fal the Falcons win a Super Bowl or Georgia win a Natty, they're going to say a Georgia Natty ten times out of ten. So in the SEC, yeah, you'll see more kids stay for that fourth year, but it's getting to a point where that's not going to be sustainable for smaller conferences and smaller programs like Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern is never going to be able to compete for um, a kid that's getting a million dollar a million dollar NIL deal. Like, maybe one day they'll be able to give one or two like that. Cole Swindell, where you at? But, well, and that's why, like, a lot of people were Y'all support ATK, so we can give a million dollars in NIL. <laughs> we'll, Georgia, we'll make it happen. Georgia yeah. Southern. Buy yeah. more T-shirts. Yeah, plug the podcast. But, see, that was an argument with NIL, too, is a lot of people were saying, well, this makes it to where it, it, it makes recruiting easier for schools that can't normally compete with Alabama's, the Georgia's, the A&M's. And we, I mean, I think we said last year when we were talking about it, I think it, it's complete opposite. I think it makes it way harder for teams like Georgia Southern, Coastal Carolina, uh, Louisiana Monroe, teams like that to recruit. Because even if you have a guy, like say a guy, a five-star player grows up in Statesboro, Georgia, huge Georgia Southern fan, for some reason decides he's going to go play for Georgia Southern and Clay Helton and be the starting quarterback and run whatever system Clay Helton's about to run this year. And uh, but Georgia is going to offer him fifteen million dollars to come play up there. He's going to go play for Georgia. Why would he play for Georgia Southern? It, it, why would well? Why would Georgia want to recruit that guy? Probably is the thing. He's a five star player. Why? Okay. He's a superstar. If Arch Manning is Arch Georgia Manning's get, Georgia Southern's getting five stars now. Arch Manning's from <laughs> in this scenario. <laughs> in this scenario, Arch Manning was born in Statesboro, Georgia, and raised in Statesboro, Georgia, and grew up going to Georgia Southern games, following along the successes of. Sounds more like your son. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and every and yeah. every night, it's like yeah, it's like Maddox, and like every night. <laughs> Of his life growing up, except for whenever you grow dad, up in Statesboro, Georgia, you dad, really don't his, care about his Southern dad. Whispers in his ear, "You're going to Georgia Southern. You're going to Georgia Southern. Pick Georgia Southern." So when he becomes a recruit, he goes, "I'm choosing Georgia Southern." Until you got Alabama or Georgia coming in, going, "Hey, I know you love Georgia Southern. You love being in Statesboro, Georgia. It's a great place to live." Uh, Clayton Helton or Clay Helton, great coach. He's done a really good job. He's won uh, 14 Sun Belts in a row at this point, but. We're going to offer you $15 million, and your family is in poverty because all they do is go to – they pay season tickets to go to George Southern games if they don't have jobs. So, 
let me ask you, why do you like college football? Why do I like college football? Yeah. Uh, because I get to watch players make nine point five million dollars okay. to play for yeah. Miami. Yeah, so they're making nine point five million. But you know, talking with some people this weekend, they like college football because it's people and guys that are trying to go out there and prove themselves every single weekend to show why they need to be in the NFL. If they're making more money than the NFL players, what's their incentive to even care whatsoever? Well, and I was going to say that too. It changes the structure for the NFL salaries too. Because now you're going to have guys who are coming upon their deals, like Trevor Lawrence, once he gets there, and he's going to go, look, and I mean, if, in five years, you're going to have, if this is how it is, you're going to have guys making like $20 million to go play for big schools. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence can go, this guy's making $20 million a year to go play for Miami, and you expect me to play for Jacksonville and make 15 or make 18 a year? After winning three Super yeah. Bowls. Yeah. After losing really badly I feel like this <laughs> every is, year, going two and... 17 or 2 and 15 every year. It's got to already be giving like NFL like managers like headaches. It's got to be cuz like you get like a first overall pick if But there's a cap in the NFL, so there's not much they can do about yeah. it. That's what but but they're going to have to move that. They're going to have but, I mean I just think that this this it, it, is it's going to become NFL junior. It kind of already well, the was. Thing is, is your what I could see happening too is you have a league like the LIV for golf that opens up like in Europe or something. They're like, okay, well, the NFL is not going to pay you more money after all these college players are making money. Well, we'll just give you $70 million a year to come play here. Because now you got that whole situation going on too. Yeah. Yeah. So Money speaks. <laughs> yeah. Or you got <laughs> Donald Trump <laughs> who decides he's going to throw it. We have the best NIL deals. <laughs> we will give you all the money. He, he, he uh, you know, Herschel Walker at the back end of his career. Come on over, man. Yeah, come on, Herschel. <laughs> oh, man. But either way, I, I think something's definitely going to change. I mean, I know we've been talking about it for a while because the way that it is right now, it, it is dangerous for sports in general. If I just, people in college are making more money. The people who are playing a professional sport. I, I just don't love, and it's college football, man. Like we oh, love college football for the for the environment, we the atmosphere. Do. Yeah, I know, I know, but but we, we want people to like. You generally want kids, and it, because that's what these are. These are kids to go to a school where they feel that same thing. Where like guys that played at Georgia that were good, but they weren't like superstars, like David Green and Aaron Murray who they they live and die by the red and black because they went to Georgia because they wanted to go to Georgia. Or like John Parker Wilson at Alabama, who he will forever have a job anywhere he wants to in Alabama because of what he did in 2008 as the quarterback for the University of Alabama. He went there because he loved it. You lose a little bit of that in this NIL thing because I'm not going to go where I really want to go to school. I'm going to go with whoever's giving me the most money, and I'll tolerate it, and I will learn to love them. It's just like now. You know, if – if obviously, an, it's different, but in a, in a little bit of a sense. But if Kirby hadn't won, you know, at, at Georgia, and five years down the road, the Falcons offer him $30 million more million a year, he, he might do that because it, it, at the end of the day, it's a job, and you have to make money. To feed your family and support your family, not that you can't support your family off of like ten million a year, but <laughs> yeah, it's poor but the poor smarts in Athens, Georgia, <laughs> the, the poor smarts in Athens that are their oh. kids are eating ramen and beef franks, <laughs> ballpark beef franks each night just to just to survive. 
the most nutritious meal of the day There's is nothing worse than having a dad that only makes ten million. Yeah, I know, I, right? <laughs> Those poor impoverished smarts. He blows all that money on the NIL now. That's yeah, he probably is. I'm about to say Kirby's probably head of the boosters. But it, 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 I don't know. It just <laughs> he's, he's uh, starving his children. Only making one million now. But he's getting star players. He's there, getting a shot at Arch Manning, but his children won't eat for a week. There's just there's <laughs> there's just there's just something about having that love and loyalty for a, a school though that gets lost in in all. It this is, stuff. but honestly. That's kind of starting to drift away anyway, which I hate, and that's why I think there's got to be something done about it. I'm, I'm beca- we're becoming the old men that yell at clouds. With. Exactly, that's <laughs> we are, and, and I'm totally okay with that because that's that's why I love college football. Uh, because, me, me too. Because of the history and the tradition, and it's more about the love of the game than it is about the money. But recently, it's become, oh, it's all business decisions. Like you got people sitting out of bowl games because it, to them, it's more worth it to not risk the injury. And um, go and play, go and start training for the NFL and whatever. And now you got people who are starting to pick teams because of money, less so because they like the school and because the program is trending in the right direction. So I have a little bit of a brain like thinker on this. So does anybody else remember when Ryan Day came out and he said, "Yeah, we're going to need about fifteen million a year to keep our roster together." And then now you got one kid who's in high school getting paid like coming out that he's getting paid this much. I bet you Ryan Day's thinking like. Well, he's going to need a lot more dude, than 15 million. He's a genius, too, because, you know, he had Urban Meyer come back and yeah. start that L- – I think that's an LLC like you were talking yeah. about. He started that LLC there where all they do is collect money mm-hmm. from boosters and pay their players. It, it Which, just, and, it's, and that's why I don't like it. It's super slimy. Yeah. And, uh, like, Anything but, but with Urban Meyer is slimy. But you can't – yeah, exactly. But you can't hate Ohio State for doing that No, because everybody is going to have to do but, that or they're not going to get players. Oregon's doing the same thing. But, A&M – Absolutely has to. Yes, of course they are. And but where it where it to me it hurts it is it's going to eliminate the Ole Misses, the Mississippi States, the Kentuckys, the South Carolinas of the world from being competitive in football because while yes, they do have some boosters with money, they don't have the number of boosters with money that Georgia has that Tennessee has that Alabama has that Florida has even and even Florida to me might be in that like I think they'll be they have enough to be okay yep but I don't I don't know that they have the same as Georgia Georgia it, was ranked like I think top three of like best destinations for like when NIL really starts kicking up because of how rich that fan base is well and I'll say this too I actually think that. Kirby Smart and Nick Saban specifically have kind of held back from doing it right now. Because right now they yeah. have to. But, I mean, you're seeing it happen with guys like Jordan Addison. The only reason Jordan Addison left is because he's going to go make more money playing for USC than he will Pitt. Yeah. And, and that's literally the only reason. Yeah. And that's going to start happening to guys at Alabama. It's going to start happening to oh, guys yeah. at Georgia. Because and, and, you're going to have guys that aren't playing as much who are these star, star players. Ajay Hall. Yeah. Well, I mean, stuff like that. And then you can go to Texas. And, I mean, it's not public, but I'm sure he's making some kind of Absolutely. money to go play there. And it, the other the other thing that that adds into it is at what what point does Nick Saban say this is I've had enough of this oh is, it's it's, it's because, about to happen because this is the this is going to be the demise Nick of Saban has pretty much said that he's pretty much said cap it and regulate it or I will cause torment on the rest of the league well and I think Kirby Smart's right there too he's uh, like he's like Dabo I'm, is too Dabo's yeah. right there hates it well, too well Dabo no, hates Dabo it hates it because Dabo hates it publicly because he knows here's here's my thing with Dabo Dabo is the guy that Dabo he will, is us on this couch yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just old man yeah, screaming D- at the world. Dabo is the guy that's gonna that he won't even like 
touch the transfer yeah. portal. First, but, he just had his first one this year. Right, because because he was like, well, you know, here at Clemson, we don't have guys that don't love the culture. And it was, so we ain't going in the transfer portal to find – But and, and he, you have to change that mentality or you're going to die. But like Kirby and Nick Saban, up until last year, he did not have to deal with it. Right. Because he was winning. Right. He was well, winning games. He was putting himself in position to win a national championship every year. And, he won the national championship in 2016, won it in 2018. Yeah. So and he has been to, and he'd been to what, four or five in that. When game. you go nine and three or ten and three, I guess they won the Cheez It Bowl, and then you have all of your best coaches leave to go coach other schools, and you're not looking as good at going into next year. You got to start making the transfers. You're going to have to start paying players. Dabo's quickly going to learn just how hard it is to stay at the top oh, yeah. and how much pressure there is when you are at the top. Because, like at UGA, obviously I don't see this happening, but if they go nine and three next year. There's going to be a lot of people that are like, wait a second. And then Todd Munkin gets a job elsewhere. Well, especially considering Georgia's schedule for next year. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, that's how Clemson was last year. They're, they had one game that everyone was like, oh, that's a 50-50 game. After that, they should win them all. And that was the Georgia yeah. game, beginning of the year. But was, and, but but granted, in Clemson's defense, too, they're, the ACC ended up being a lot better than anybody expected it to be last year. Not that they were great. But Wake Forest was a lot better than anybody expected. NC State was better than anybody expected. And Pitt, all three of those schools specifically. Yeah. I just held up two fingers. Those, those three, <laughs> all three yeah. were better than a lot of people expected. But, well, uh, but, uh, but and, and I'm not saying that Clemson did not disappoint because they did. Because they were not on the same level as... Hey, but they brought it back by the end. They, they kind of really... I mean, they didn't... They fully back, but they, well, and granted, they had a lot of they had a lot of they, they had a lot of injuries and stuff too. And and every game they lost, they were in. It's not like they got blown out by right, everybody. right, right. Second best defense. Yeah. Oh, that's Brent Venables, and now he's gone. Yep. So. Now he's gone. Yep. But I'm so excited to see how Oklahoma does with him. But I am too. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. I feel like we have we have yeah, absolutely beat nil to death because <laughs> I mean, and honestly, we could have a whole show on just nil because it's it's deep. All right, well, let's take a quick minute to talk about our sponsor, Dr. Squatch. Dr. Squatch makes you feel like a man and smell like a champion. Save 20% off your first purchase of bar soaps, hair care, colognes, beard oils, and more with code DSQATKEG. That's DSQATKEG. Freddie came home this weekend, and uh, I cried tears. It, it was... It was It was sad, obviously, not just for us, but also for him. It was a very emotional weekend. Uh, he cried at his presser on Friday before he even stepped on the field. And I mean, naturally I get it from his standpoint, but some of his teammates, AKA Cy Young award-winning future hall of famer, Clayton Kershaw seem to have a little bit of a uh, hesitancy about all of this going on with his quotes to the AJC. What do you think about Freddie's return and his current team? Feel it. Emotional man, yeah, That's so emotional. It was honestly more emotional than I thought it would be. I knew when he got his ring, it was going to be emotional. But I'll tell you, I, I so I didn't get to watch the game Friday, so I didn't get to see the press conference live or any of that. Um, but I saw I, was, I watched some highlights on Twitter and everything. When they when he got his ring and the, all the crowd chanted Freddie, I was like, damn. That, that's Did you crazy. see when he stepped up in the batter's box for the first time? You see, Contreras took time mm -hmm. so that he could have more time. He did that. He did that last night too. His yeah, his last that was, bat. that was honestly awesome to mm -hmm. see. Like the Braves guys be like, "All right, let's do like a fake like catcher pitcher meeting here, yeah. just so Freddie can take the time to soak it in." Yep. Like that's that's what it's about. And that was really cool. And honestly, I did not expect for him to get as good as a reception as he got. Mostly because not because of the way I feel about Freddie Freeman, but when I wear this jersey, I'm wearing a Freddie Freeman World Series jersey right now. 
now for all that cannot see me in person. And a, and a fake World Series and ring. And a real and a World Series ring. No, they'll, they'll see the, we, we got a photographer. That is we'll legit. You will see the yeah. pictures on Instagram. It's a legit World Series ring. Um, I was a part of the team. First baseman. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But Freddie, like every time I go, every time I go to a game, I get I get looks and I get people saying, "I cannot believe you're wearing that jersey here." Every time I'm at PBR, every time I go to a game, and I don't care, I wear it. Those must be the people game. in the Tomahawk Talk page because I can't stand it. It probably is, <laughs> but I'm but I'm saying there's a large portion of the fan base, probably not the people that have been fans for the last not 10 the real years, good fans. but it's people that go to games, it's people that live in the city that do not like Freddie Freeman because he's not on the team anymore. Spin zone. I think they love Freddie Freeman, and they're just mad that he's not here anymore. Well, and, that, and so obviously. it's it's one, no, but no, but but it's one of those things where I mean, yeah, that was Captain Obvious, but <laughs> I I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you get a divorce, your ex wife goes off, and she gets married to this you know really rich dude who's way more successful as far as a you know, career-wise than you are. Yeah, it sounds like a douche. <laughs> yeah, and they are. But, and, and you, you know, your initial reaction is like, oh, you're kind of sad, but then you're just like, ah, oh, you know what, whatever, because I also got this really new smoking hot wife who came over from that same place where you're moving to, and, and it's going to be awesome because we've got, she's got a lot of upside, and you're getting old. And then whenever you see it in ha- in 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 person, you see you see them, and you're like, oh man, like, and especially when it hasn't panned out like what everyone thought it was going to with Matt Olson, it gave that little bit of a oof. Maybe maybe we we jumped the gun on this whole Freddie thing, and it it also I will say it did feel very much like there was moments where you would see Freddie in the dugout by himself not with his teammates, and the whole weekend and all the emotion that he felt, it did feel a little bit like I bet there was some regret and and that there was some, I wish I could re- re- do, have a do-over. And well, I think AA probably feels the same way. There's, I have a few thoughts on that, too. I think, number one, as time has come around, I've thought less and less that the move was a Braves and a Freddie Freeman decision. And more so of like a Freddie because of his family decision to move back to California. Like I think Freddie, if it were just him, if he didn't have Chelsea, he didn't have his family in California and all that. Mm. I think he probably would have taken Charlie, especially. I think he uh, probably would have taken the hometown cut and stayed around. I mean, granted, he could have been a different. It wouldn't have even been a hometown cut, but, though. I mean, he made, he'd make a lot of money, but, yeah, still. but but like from what the from what the that was reported that he was offered, it was the extra it's, year one. It? It, it, well. It was the extra year, but essentially Freddie's agent went to AA after and said the deal that they got from the Dodgers, which is what he got, which was like six years, 160 or whatever, five years, 160, whatever it was. He calls AA and says, all right, if you want to keep Freddie, it's going to be four years at 175 or 180 or, or five years at 190. And AA was like, the heck do you think you are? You're. You're not going to get more out of me than obviously the Dodgers don't think he's worth more than this. So you you think you're going to that I'm going to pay more? No, no chance. And then so he makes the trade. So and then what Freddie got after taxes and then what Matt Olson got really seems after, like, after California taxes. <laughs> after California taxes, I mean, he didn't get much of a 
pay raise from what the Braves were offering with the fourth year. We, and and I guarantee you that if he was still performing, AA would give him an extra year. Or they, he probably was like, hey, well, like, can we do a club option fifth year? And Freddie was like, no, I want it guaranteed. Well, you know, if you're if you're playing well, you we'll pick up your option. Yeah. Well, either way, I think a large part of it was because I know we kind of talked about it before, and I don't. I mean, you, you probably know more than I do, but um, I th- I know that Chelsea has her whole fashion stuff that she likes to do, and I know a lot of people were talking about how part of the move to California was partly because. She probably wanted to get into the L.A. scene. and I'm not buying it, man. You don't think so? I'm I'm not buying it. I really do believe that Freddie had every intention of coming back to Atlanta, and his agent had every intention of getting him the best money deal. And he thought, and like when, to me, the, the, the reason that I say this is Chipper comes out with his interview on the local sports radio station here and says he warned Freddie. Last year, take the deal. If you want to be a brave, be a brave. I think Freddie's agent was saying, like, what what happened with Aaron Judge recently? Where last year the the Yankees offered Aaron Judge an extension and he didn't take it, and now he looks like a genius for not taking it because he's killing the world and everything. Like he's the hottest player on the planet, and he just got a one year deal with nineteen million guaranteed and like twenty six million in incentives for next year. So. Freddie, I think Freddie played the gamble card of the difference being that Aaron Judge had arbitration, so there was a little bit different of a of a thing going on there. But I think Freddie was saying, "All right, well, I'm going to bet on myself and make more money because he's coming off of a shortened MVP year." So there was like the, "Well, you won the MVP, but it was a 60 game season." So I, that's just my personal. I, I think that Freddie took the gamble on himself, thinking that he was going to get the most money, and his agent was telling him to do that. He did that and that's why chipper was telling him personally you should do this as your friend not your agent and his agent was saying as your agent not your friend you want the most money i'll get you the most money and so he went with taking a swing for the fences with the braves and he lost just like chipper said he would yeah maybe he was just trying to get as much as he could out of the Braves, right come back and play for the braves i I can see dansby doing a hometown discount before freddie sorry no you're good (laughs) well from what I understand, too, from some of the transcripts and everything that came out um, in the 2021 season, he, Freddie was completely denying any um, upcoming contract talks. He shut down any talks from the front office that he was saying, you know, we'll talk about it when time comes. But, you know, when you play hardball and then your agent plays even more hardball, what do you expect? You know, from from everything I've read, giving giving a team a 24-hour ultimatum on a contract is pretty much the dirtiest, like low etiquette thing you can do like that's not something that people normally do so you know i i I look at it from alex's point of view it's like you know you got to get the ball rolling you know there's you gotta you gotta put the team together you gotta look forward and i think it i think it looks good on alex too because he's not just trying to sell jerseys he wants to win another trophy like he he's in it to win it for sure thank you braves insider william thomas i mean and honestly like kind (laughs) of tag teaming on that if he waits much longer who says he doesn't miss on Matt Olson which in all intensive purpose words he's not been that bad he's he's been pretty good like in the beginning of the season he was chopping and he had like at a point three like batting average at one point he's killing it with doubles right now like yeah he's not Freddie Freeman amazing but no one expected him to be Freddie Freeman amazing 
He's doing good. Like he's not bad. I think he's he's a getting safe a, long ball option. He, yes, and he's catching a lot of heat while. because he's not Freddie. Freeman. But that's what I was gonna say. Is I, I disagree with the one thing that you said is that no one expected him to be Freddie Freeman. Everyone wanted him to be yeah. Freddie Freeman. They wanted him to replace Freddie Freeman, and because well, he is, they literally, repl- they literally stuck him in the lineup where Freddie Freeman <laughs> no, no, was. No, 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 he is but, not a Freddie Freeman. No, no, no type but, player. but that is what the fa- the fan base expected Freddie Freeman numbers from Matt Olson, and that's why I say as soon as the fan base sees a guy that's hitting sub two fifty, yeah, he's got all the doubles, but he's hitting sub two fifty while Freddie's hitting three thirty with you know whatever he 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 doesn't have as many. I think he's got six or seven homers, but Dodger Stadium is not a, a homer friendly. A hitter friendly park either. So to I, I don't know. I I've said my piece on Freddie. I love Freddie. I will always love Freddie. I would gladly wear a World Series champions Freddie Freeman jersey in public. And I think Braves fans that are anti Freddie Freeman are missing the part. It was kind of like Glavin. When Glavin and that whole deal went down, and y'all probably don't remember this at all. And he ended up signing with the Mets. Yeah. <laughs> when 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 that whole thing went down, it was honestly very parallel and similar to what happened with Freddie Freeman. The Braves were offering him like 3 years at 60 million dollars or whatever it was. I mean, this was like 2001, so obviously the salaries weren't as high, but it was like 3 and he was like, "I want 4 or 5 Six. years." <laughs> He's like, I want, I want more years. I want more guaranteed. And the Braves weren't giving it to him. They weren't giving it to him. And so the, he basically gave the Braves an ultimatum. And at that point, he gave them the ultimatum. The Mets came with their offer. The Braves said, hey, we'll match it. And he was just like, after all, after all that I've done for you, why would I worry about a matched offer when I can go play somewhere else. And then, and so there was, there was a little bit of time there where Tom Glavin was kind of not loved in Atlanta. Oh, my dad still doesn't like him. And I mean, it's, it's the, there's a lot of people that were, that are like nostalgic that, that love him still because he's the guy that clinched game six in 95. So, but he was hated around that time too because he was the leader of the players association when they went on strike in 94 that's why my dad hated him and 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 so the, it was the you know that was a strike that canceled a world series so i i mean that that to me is it's a really similar situation with glavin i imagine that one day Freddie Freeman will come, his number's going to be retired, and the rafters, no one will ever wear number five again. We'll have a big hooray weekend for him, and he'll get a statue outside of Truist Park somewhere. Listen, I think it comes down to one thing. Give Freddie two or three years out in L.A., see if he does all right, and just let Ozuna smack his wife up one a <laughs> A couple, a couple more times, and we bring him Whoa. back on. We bring him back on as the DH, baby. Hey. Matt on first, and Freddie at DH. I would do if, if we could put Freddie or Matt Olson as our DH over Jesus over Christ. smacks his wife Ozuna. <laughs> then I would be very happy. You know? And he is technically gets hit by his wife first, then slash. And I'll be honest, I would not. Mutual. I would absolutely not be opposed to it's a only Matt to, Olson it, for it's Freddie Freeman straight up trade. Like I would do that all day, but. I would, dude. I would be so happy to find out that Freddie comes out and goes, "I hate it here. I want to come back. I will not play for any other team. Trade me to Atlanta." Right I think. Now. I think we all saw it this past weekend. Like this past week, I think we all saw. But it. I don't think that's going to happen. But you got to think too. He's only been there for like six months. Yeah. Oh. 
Dodger Stadium in October. I mean, and I'm not taking anything away from Truist Park. I I, I love Atlanta's a baseball town. Of of all the major professional sports, the Braves are the one that everybody loves. Most people said Oakland. I'll give it to you, but but, Dodger Stadium. You're you're talking about. I mean, you you go to a, a Dodgers game, and and really, I'll say the Braves. Pre last year, you go to a Dodgers game on any given year when they're contending in like July, August, especially September. It's a playoff atmosphere starting on September one. I mean, they're they're sold out. They're in it to win it. And the NL West is normally a super competitive division in comparison with the NL East in recent years. Look, I um, I hate the Dodgers. <laughs> I hate them. Oh, I, I do too. I I hate them. If 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 I could end them as a franchise, I would. But. Their fan base, I've been to a couple Dodgers Braves series in Atlanta. There are usually more Dodgers fans there than Braves fans, even in Atlanta, because they travel they so travel. well. But that also, you that, might remember. Yeah, my birthday when I almost got in a fight with one of them. Me and Ian, and, and I, William, did you come with us? He was William was there. Patrick Fernandez. And Keys was there, and we had a whole crew of people. We had some old fraternity brothers. Austin, Austin might have came too. Austin was there. Yeah, Austin was there. We had a whole. We had. We had. I think we had twenty seats. I think we. Yeah. I think I bought twenty seats for everybody. Yeah. Everybody paid me back. I'm not a millionaire. I'm only bringing that up because I saw on Twitter like it was a full on, just Freddie being in Atlanta, better home base, like better stadium atmosphere, all the things. And so when it comes to Dodger Stadium, they're like, oh, they suck. By the seventh inning, everybody's leaving. Da, 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 da. Just... Granted, when I go to Braves games now, I'm usually out by the fourth inning. <laughs> but that's mostly an alcohol problem. <laughs> I mean, PBR's look, calling I, his name. I, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna diss the 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 atmosphere at Truist because I think it's way, way, way better than Turner Field ever was. I think Truist. Um, I think Truist but, Park is a better atmosphere than Dodger than Dodger Stadium. Still, I do think it is. I, I've never been there, so I don't <laughs> have any personal experience. I mean, but granted, from watching stuff on TV, I agree with Nathan in that aspect. But Dodger Stadium is still an incredible atmosphere. I, I just like it's a top five atmosphere. The 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 thing for me is like what you said. The, any of the national brands. The Red Sox, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Cubs, they always, always, always pack out whatever stadium it is they go to. Um, Because, especially with the Dodgers, you still have some of the older generation from New York with the Brooklyn Dodgers that are, you know, that are like diehard Dodgers in New York. And I don't know. I I, I love the, uh, I love Truist Park. I love the atmosphere at Truist Park, but... I mean, if 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 we're going atmosphere wise, I would Snow say no Turner Field. Uh, it, I, I would say I would Park say <laughs> I would say that Yankee Stadium and Fenway Park and probably Dodger Stadium on any and then obviously Wrigley. Wrigley actually the attendance is down right now, but you know well they do suck. Right, right. But Wrigley Field on a June afternoon, a June Friday afternoon at two p.m. is generally rocking. Well, in in three weeks, I will be at. This is completely irrelevant. I will be in Dallas at their new stadium, and in six weeks, I will be at Wrigley Field. So I will I will tell you how it is. I, I, you've been before that, haven't you? Have you been to Wrigley? Really, I've, I've never been to Wrigley. The 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 bucket list. I've been to Wrigley. Uh. Honestly, one of the coolest stadiums I've been to is Coors, Coors Field in Denver. That's 
The Rocky Stadium is awesome. Good look, no touch. No, I, I see. I'm not a fan I of Rockies because of uh, the All Star game last year. But. I went to a World Series game. I, I mean, I'm not a fan of the Rockies. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the Rockies either. But it's not their fault that they got the All Star game because the commissioner's a douche. Dude, I wasn't yeah. even that big into baseball, and when they took that away from Atlanta, I was. Yeah, but when the commissioner had to hand the uh, World Series trophy over, oh, that, that I think that really made it better. That that, that really helped. That helped a if, lot. <laughs> that felt like the best middle finger to him. I think it definitely was. It definitely was. If only he, we would have made him do it in Atlanta. If only he had to do oh. it. In Atlanta. If he would have had to do it after Game Five, that would have made it that much sweeter because the entire that stadium would have been so loud of cheers and it would um, switch to booze immediately. I'm not gonna lie, I would give my left foot if I could go back in time. If we, if <laughs> if the Braves would have won that Game Five in Atlanta, oh man, you know what? You I was know, in the, I was in the battery. Me and Landon were in the battery. We didn't even have to wait in line to get into the bar. There was no line. <laughs> there was no line. <laughs> was not a single line. Not one single uh, line. It was no, it was so electric. I mean, I've never seen. And I know you went to the battery for one game too. Yes, I did. Game I've three. I've never seen so many people in one spot. And we and I was not at the game. And there was never a clinched. line. It was insane. When Adam Duvall hit the grand slam in the first inning. It, that place was torn to bits, and that was the first inning. Yeah, if they would have won that game, I fully believe the bat. And honestly, it was probably a god thing that we didn't win in Atlanta <laughs> the, because the, I think all of the this battery. the area that we're in right now would have been burnt to the freaking the battery. Would have looked like I know the battery would have. The battery would not be would not be livable right I, now. I just, man, let's not forget that the Braves are the 2021 reigning. Oh, I never do. World Series champions. Yeah, I keep and that is why. And that's I why. Up in the morning, I kiss it. <laughs> that's why Wit is wearing his fake World Series ring. The real World Series. <laughs> ring. I used to think those things were plastic. I didn't know they were actually. They're no, shit. they're heavy. No, it's yeah. real. It's diamonds. the same. It's the same kind of ring that they give out at like the little kid tournaments. Yeah. Dude, I I have to go to that next game where they do those because I need to get me one of those. I think they're done. No, they got one more. They got one more in July. Oh, they one more in July. July. Yeah, one more in July. You that I thought I was special, and I won't be here. I won't be here for it, but I got. I'm, so hey, I got. Oh, it. is that the July 23rd that y'all were talking about going to for the Angels? No, 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 no. It's um, it's, it's the week I'm going to Texas, which is two weeks. Are you going to see Arch? Is that where you're going? Yeah, I'm gonna go. Okay, I'm actually going to meet with them. I'm gonna have a conversation. Okay. And go, hey, man. You, are you are you the secret NIL guy smart. that we're using to get him back over? I do have a question though. You think if like, you think if Texas goes eight and three, he switches, or like three and eight? I mean. I do I do I think do I think he flips from Texas or if if they just I don't think it, I, don't I think know. if they go less than seven and five this year I think he does okay because how I mean how, how can you say oh, we're going to come develop you and win national championships when you have a guy who's rated the same level that he is That's one true. of the greatest recruits of all time in Quinn Ewers come there and then completely crowd the bed so. We've been going for quite some time, though. Let's, uh, let's move on into the poor no, one. I got one more hour talking college football. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can see Witt's uh, second podcast on the side here. <laughs> um, now we'll go ahead and get into poor one out, cut him off. Uh, who did I first get to see for? It's freaking head. It would be me. Matt, who you pour one out for, buddy? You know, I've got, I've got no cut him off because this week was a good one. It was a good weekend. Good, great weekend. Uh, Charles got married, so that was that was awesome. Congratulations! We, congratulations to, to Chuckles, long line, long long time listener, uh, ATK fan Charles, who will never hear this because he never listens. But <laughs> congratulations, Charles! If you are listening, I do want to say I know we've threatened your life a couple times um, in our group message, 
multiple, multiple times. Quite a bit, actually. Mostly because of fantasy baseball. But I want to say I'm very happy for you, my friend. And I hope you have a lifetime of happiness with your new wife. Yes. Congratulations, yes. Charles Kissler. And please don't listen to this in Mexico. Wait till you get back. Uh, he texted me on his phone. Yeah, so yeah, he's definitely yeah, on yeah, his yeah. phone. Yeah, yeah. He's got his phone. He's got his phone. Uh, so, obviously, Chuckles, congratulations. Um, but the Rebs got hot in Omaha. Tim Elko warned everybody to not let that happen. They did it anyways. They let the Rebs get hot. And I'll be danged if they weren't the 64th team in. They were the last one standing in Omaha. Uh, that didn't happen in any other college postseason. I'll say it again. College baseball is the greatest sport. Mike Bianco gets his ring. Ole Miss wins a national championship in one of the three major sports for the first time since 1962, which is the last time that football won a national championship. So 60 years later, baseball wins a national championship. Uh, Roosters Chris Got to experience the entire thing. So if you've never been to Oxford, Mississippi, there's a bar. It's called Roosters. Roosters Blues House. You absolutely got to go there. Phenomenal bar. Phenomenal. Coming from a non-Ole Miss fan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a phenomenal bar. Really cool place. Really cool environment. Go stand up. Expensive on, cover. but it, uh, it depends on when you go. It not, like, not as bad as the library. It, it, was, it was five bucks whenever I went for graduation. So, I mean, it's... Well, during football season, it's expensive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they it get It was $20. Which... At that point. At that point, really, was not I that. think we got a discount. Yeah, probably. But um, Rooster at, at Roosters is a gentleman named Chris. He's always intoxicated. You can follow him on Instagram at, <laughs> at the real Roosters Chris. Uh, it, but his he is famous because he is a soothsayer at balancing beers on his head. Uh, I don't know how he got to Omaha. I don't want to know how he got to Omaha, but even the Oxford Police Department was asking on Twitter who took Chris to Omaha. <laughs> so you know, you know, this has got to be one of those one of those moments where they're just like, "Oh my God, look, it's Chris." Um, it, I, I joke that he probably I don't know. This is if y'all have ever seen Andy Griffith, he's got to be like Otis, where he's just got a cell that he can go open the door to and sober up the next morning and get back to Roosters the next night. As long as he's not causing any harm, he's all right. And and uh, but to see him in Omaha with a big old smile on his face, uh, balancing a beer on his head on national television, I was like, oh, I know that guy. I met him before. I've talked to him. Uh, so there's that. But on top of that, the Rebs annihilated Rocco's Jello shots. There was the College World Series Jello shot challenge. Uh, all the teams in Omaha they get their name on a whiteboard. Last year, Mississippi State set the record at 2,500, and this year the Ole Miss Rebels go in and they put up a whopping $18,000, which at the beginning of this we... No, 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 no. 82 Excuse me, 18,000 jello shots. That's what I meant. 18,000 jello shots, which we said was $81,000 just just for Ole Miss. Uh, Arkansas put up 8,000 jello shots, so, I mean, they made tons of money this this weekend. But I got to give a massive shout-out to uh, Rocco's. They decided that since Ole Miss and Arkansas both went so high, they they are are donating to uh, the food banks two dollars for every Jello shot that was bought that to the awesome. to the university's food bank. So uh, the Grove Collective in uh, Oxford and the Fayetteville Food Bank are getting two dollars per Jello shot uh, off of that. So I mean that uh, awesome move on Rocco's part. Got to give them a shout out for that. It was awesome following it. Tyler Jordan, the real tree guy, that's an Ole Miss grad. He he bought 
like 900 jello shots one night to get to get the revs back in and then i sent somebody 75 dollars for jello shots yeah i contributed to the eighty two thousand dollars. yeah 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 wit was a contributor big revs fan big 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 revs fan baseball baby you've seen you've seen him in oxford and uh he's he's a big revs guy big revs guy we'll make we'll be making the trip back one day october 1st against kentucky it's homecoming you guys are gone yeah can I get right? What? Yeah, hop in. I might be gone. We'll see. <laughs> just this, just in. <laughs> this just in. Though Sharpfield in Oxford for uh, for further warning. Don't let the ribs get hot. And on that note, wit. So, uh, Matt, I'm on the same page as you this week. Where I don't have anybody to cut off. I, there, I think nothing bad happened in my life besides me losing twenty dollars uh, in betting on the Tampa Bay Lightning to win the Stanley Cup. But, yeah, it's $20, whatever. I can get over it. And, uh, honestly, I'm pretty happy for the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, I'm going to pour one out for them to start. Uh, I got a couple pour one outs I'm doing. Colorado Avalanche haven't won a Stanley Cup in quite a while. Uh, they've been really good the past couple of years. Nate McKinnon's one of the best hockey players in the league, coming from a guy who really does not watch any hockey whatsoever. <laughs> uh, but I played fantasy hockey this year for the first time. Uh, did my best to keep up with it. Did a terrible job. And uh, I think I actually ended up getting like did you, uh, Nathan Kissler won as he uh, is pointing out to me right now, <clears throat> pouring out for Nathan. And um, I think I was top five somewhere. But yeah, we had a good time, and uh, I'm you know happy for the Avalanche. They played really well. Finally, ended the three year run for the Tampa Bay Lightning, who had not lost a playoff series in three years, being back to back Stanley Cup champions. So good on them. So. Quick note on the fantasy hockey thing. I lost to Nathan by like point five in the championship in the, in the playoffs, and uh, I <laughs> I lost by point oh three to Nathan in the playoffs, and I had not looked at my team since the day that I drafted it. Well, that's about to be Lando with fantasy baseball. <laughs> oh no, I just I just I just I just beat it pretty. Lando bad. might be one of the worst, like fantasy players of all he's not he bad with a football. good team but he never checks he's not bad with it, football. It, no he never checks is it no, nice is it lose, nice knowing that lando is not first. here for this episode and he's probably not even gonna listen to this episode. <laughs> he can say whatever we want about he him. Listen to him but he he never checks he'll go zero and three and then give up on the year and then he'll finish like third that's pretty much what chad does except for he trades all his players away or puts them all on his bench yeah. <laughs> shout out to chad shout out or to just chad. trades me jazz chisholm <laughs> as much as he can he oh, to, man. He, he's been trying to trade me players all year. He's doing the same with me. He's trying to undercut me for Austin or for uh, Acuna, though. He just keeps pissing me off. Just give him away for nothing. That's Bag what I'm do. Either way, I got a couple more. I'm pouring one out for tennis. Wimbledon just came back starting today. Uh, I got to watch a little bit of it as I got off work a little bit early. Um, lots of good matches going on. The U.S. has some guys that are starting to creep into that top 30 range. For you guys that have kind of gotten out of the tennis fandom because there hasn't been a good U.S. player in a long time, Rafael Nadal is making a run at his third major in a row this year after winning the Australian Open and the French Open. A lot of people are saying this might be his last year playing just because he's getting old and he's been dealing with a lot of injuries. He's not playing any smaller tournaments. He's only playing in the majors. Uh, But like I said, so far he's 2-0. He's won won the Australian, won, won the French. Uh, he won his 14th French, I think, 14th or 15th. So, so did he overtake Djokovic for number of ma- uh, number he of did, titles? He did in the Australian Open, so now he's so up to. he's up to. Yep. Dude, shout out to the GOAT. Yeah, he's the GOAT. I mean, as of now, he is the GOAT. Djokovic is going to have a longer career than he will, for sure, uh, which means Djokovic is going to have that chance to add on to his resume. 
uh, which this tournament specifically, uh, he's probably was going to make a pretty good run. Um, he's always in the Final Four, especially in Wimbledon. Um, it, 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 I don't know this, but I know there for a while, Djokovic wasn't allowed to compete in a lot of these tournaments because of his COVID vaccination status. Is that, yeah, that's did, pretty much over. Did that affect anything with him this year? He, he didn't get to play in the Australian Open. I think that was last year, though. Okay. He got to play this year. Okay. No, I don't think he played this year. I don't think he got to because of his COVID vaccination this year, and I think that was part of why Nadal dominated. Like, he wasn't even close with anybody. Right. So I, I'm curious, though, do you think that that's going to have any effect on Djokovic in Wimbledon? Do you think – I mean, no, obviously he's going to be a man on a mission, but do you he's, think – Yeah, guy, he played today. Right, so right, I know right. He's yeah. in the tournament. I, I didn't mean in, like, on yeah, him yeah. playing. I, I meant, like, do you think that that's going to affect – his play in the tournament, I no, guess you could say. I, I doubt it because he played really well in the French Open too, and he's been playing in these smaller tournaments that Nadal hasn't been playing in to get fit for it, and he's playing really well. Now, granted, he dropped a set today, which is pretty unheard of for Djokovic. I'll, I'll say this. I am not a big tennis guy. I do enjoy Wimbledon, though. Uh, Wimbledon is like the Masters for yeah. tennis. Yeah, it really is. Like, it's it's a huge tournament. I don't really have a f- – well, I guess Wimbledon's my favorite. I was going to say – all the majors besides the Australian to me are fun. Like the French has its own flair. The, Aust- the Wimbledon has its own flair. And then the U.S. Open is obviously in America. So, And I've been to it before. So I really enjoy that one. Um, and, but they're all different styles of court. So to to go off of that like PGA type thing, the French Open to me is like the, the, the Open Championship. Yeah. Where it's like the yeah. completely different course, yeah. the completely different style of play. Yeah. That's, how, that's how it is for me too. But you know, Wimbledon is played on grass. So it's right. kind of the same deal where... It's different, but to me, Wimbledon is kind of like the Masters because it's very hard to get in. You can't just go and buy a ticket. You have right. to win like a certain lottery, or you have to know somebody to get in. Um, you have to wear a certain clothing to be in there. The players in Wimbledon have to wear all white. You can't wear anything else, nothing but all white. Um, it has to be a certain kind of dress. Like You can't show certain skins and that kind of stuff. So It's very traditional, same as the Masters. So... Um, but and then US US is pretty much US and Australian is kinda like the PGA where it's just kinda like the fourth major. And it's fun. It's like PGA. I mean the PGA championship's right. awesome, but it's also, you know, it's it's because it's not so different than everything else, it's kinda just there. But anyway, uh shout out to Wimbledon, pour one out from Wimbledon. Um I think it's gonna be a good tournament. Probably ended up being Djokovic Nadal in the championship as it is for every single men's major. Uh but you know what? I'll enjoy it because it'll be a good match. And uh I got one more and pour one out for Chase Elliott, who is my acclaimed favorite NASCAR driver because of his Georgia uh, residency and his fandom of the Georgia Bulldogs and the Atlanta Braves. So Braves. he just won the Ally 400, which is in Nashville, Tennessee, which just so happens to be where I lived the last two years. So uh, big shout out to him. I went to the race last year and uh, Kyle Larson won it. Uh, honestly, I didn't really watch a ton of the race this year. There was a lot of... Uh, a lot of stoppage because of some crashes, and I think they had some weather issues as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I want to. I think so far. I mean, you could tell me if I'm wrong from a NASCAR fan perspective. I feel like Nashville hasn't really been a great track for these guys to race on. I just feel like there's been a lot of cautions. Uh, th- this year was a little bit different, just because of all the weather. Like, I yeah. feel like they had figured it out a little bit. Like, it was. I didn't watch a lot of the race just because I was watching baseball. Yeah, but I then I caught the end of it. At night, like I, I watched the Braves because they were the Sunday night game, and I watched that over the race. Um, and Lando would be the one that would have the most intel because I, mm-hmm. I guarantee you, he watched that over the Braves. This is my poor one out in dedication to Lando. So, not being here. Shout out to Lando not being here. 
Everyone go to Kohl's and steal thousands of dollars worth <laughs> of stuff. <laughs> but either way, pouring one out for Chase Elliott. Good for him. Uh, I think this is his second win this year. Second yeah. win this year. That I, yeah. I, I was gonna. The only thing I'll say about NASCAR uh, is that this year has been awesome because of all the like different people winning. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not it, like it's it, not like this. I mean, last year was like Kyle Larson. It was Kyle Larson, and then yeah. every year you have someone like that. This yeah. year it's been like Ross Chastain. I think has three, and that's the most. But something like that. And then you've got Chase with two. But yeah, and then Kyle Kyle Busch has a couple. Kyle already. Bush has won one. Uh, Larson's won at least Kyle one. Bush. It, it's been uh, kind of spread out, so it's been awesome. All right. <laughs> so not wrong. Either way, Keys uh, throwing it to you, man. Who you pouring one out for? All right, I'm pouring one out for Gronk. Rob Gronkowski retiring again. He finally finished his career this time. Maybe he'll come back if the Bucks do good. But he finished now with 9,286 total yards and 92 touchdowns over 11 seasons. Nine of those with the New England Patriots and two of them with the Bucks. Uh, so pouring out for Rob Gronkowski, just a great career. You think Hall of Fame career here? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Pro- I mean, yeah, probably one of the best tight ends. Pro- probably, not the best he's tight end. he's for he's first ballot. I mean, he, I'd say he's no Tony G, but <laughs> look at if look at. Look at the games and career that Brady had, like where Gronk impacted it in a positive way. Like he he was the best player on the field for Tampa Bay for a lot of those games that they when they needed him, he always made big plays. So yeah, he sucked, terrible, <laughs> awful. All right, and I am cutting off our uh, peanut gallery last week. Would not have liked this one. I am cutting off Columbus, Ohio, mm. not Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Ohio. I really enjoyed. I took a road trip up to Ohio. Uh, shout out Awake at Last. Yeah, Keys, we got you got to tell us about the whole road trip, man. Okay. I want to hear so the whole I, thing. I went up. Did you get any Skyline chili? <laughs> I did not do Skyline chili. I Ooh. actually did not do too much food while I was up there. I was kind of busy racing around. Um, went up um, for a concert up there. Um, got to hang out with the guys in Awake at Last. They've had their music on the podcast before. Shout out to them. Went up there. Stopped at every major college along the way, along I-75. Started off with uh, University of Kentucky, which the campus was honestly, the campus I liked. The student union, really cool. Uh, stadium to me, kind of looked a little run down. Kroger Field, uh, you know, it was all right. But, you know, you can you can go and check out our Instagram. I posted stickers all over the place. If you take a selfie with our decals at any one of these following campuses, you can get a, a T-shirt out of it. So That's a free T-shirt, everybody. Free, free T-shirt. That's a $50 value. <laughs> Less than a $50 value. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I went to, uh, went to Kentucky. Then I went up to uh, Cincinnati. Love that campus. It was really cool. Got to go down on the field. There was a security guy out there. I was just like, hey, can I uh, go down? He's like, yeah, go That's ahead. That's all you did? I, was like, I thought you threw the, around the keg name out there. And then well, I said, I said, we have a uh, like a sports radio thing. You think I can get some photos for it? He's like, yeah, and just don't mess with anything. I was like, all right. And there was yeah. a DB down there warming out, so I kept warming up. I just it, was kinda, probably, it was a Mod Gardner or a Sauce Gardner for sure. <laughs> probably probably there training just, for just somebody out there doing some step patterns. The Jets. But, uh, I check. I was a little jealous that you were able to get on the field. I went up there last year, and they had just redone the turf, so they were like really strict with trying to block it off. But they were—I was told that like during the school year and everything that there's people on the field playing spike ball like on Tuesday. Yeah, it's very—it's cool. very casual because they have like the the stadium in Cincinnati is kind of in the middle of campus, and you can literally just kind of walk up to it, and you know, like it's not like uh, you, you know you go to Georgia or any of these major stadiums, so they've got like fences all around it. You got to like. You know, it's clearly on lockdown. You can't get anywhere. Hey, if Ben Barfield can get into Sanford Stadium. Uh, yeah, your brother knows a little something about that, yeah. But uh, it's right there, and it's literally just kind of open. So people, like, study in the seats and stuff. Like, you can just kind of go up to it. It's kind of like the central hub 
of the uh, of the campus. It's really cool. See, Auburn's like that too, and I really like that about Auburn's campus. You can just go up to the yeah. It's got it like right in the center of the of the campus. You're like you're walking in circles around the stadium. Oh, yeah. I will say nothing positive about Auburn. <laughs> but yeah, went went there and then went to uh, made my way up to Columbus, and here's where I had a problem. There is nothing in Columbus, Ohio. I know Wit doesn't like it. He had a little bit of an altercation up there, but uh, no, I, so. You know, I didn't really get to see a lot of, like, Columbus, Columbus, Ohio. I got to go out on campus, and I actually had a good time, despite the other events. You fell down some stairs. Yeah, (laughs) despite the the jumping that I uh, endured. (laughs) The stadium was awesome. It's huge, massive stadium, really cool architecture on the front of it. It's kind of got some stained glass and this, like, concave uh, element to the front of it. Really awesome stadium from the outside. The rest of the campus... Other than this, I will say the student union was super nice. Uh, inside of it looked like some sort of museum. But just the buildings and the businesses and everything around there just seemed like some backwoods downtown. I was just like, I wasn't impressed. And everything around the city, there's nothing. It's kind of like when you drive down to Statesboro, you got I-16 for 100 miles. There's nothing. That's like Columbus, Ohio. You know, I, I had a really great time up there. I will say I had a great time. But... And I'm just cutting off mostly because of Ryan. <laughs> yeah, Ryan. Dude, Ryan is going to love that when he listens to it. More than but anything. I will say, in defense of Columbus, Ohio, the bars were fun. Like they have a really good bar scene there. Just, I mean, besides me being right in the middle of the bar scene and getting jumped by <laughs> what happened when we were there, which I won't get into. See, I didn't get the. I didn't really get to do. You didn't get that, that experience because I had the concert. I was up there, so. But then on the way back down, I stopped by. Um, University of the Cumberlands. Shout out our buddy Huddy. Yeah, I saw you stopped. Yeah, Huddy. Uh, our buddy Huddy was a kicker there, and uh, actually, I, I mean, I considered going there as well for football and swimming, um, but I'm kind of glad I didn't. It's a really small. It's a small NAIA campus, uh, but it's still pretty cool. So I stopped by there, threw a sticker down there, and then I stopped by uh, Tennessee as well. Got some pictures with the Smoky Statue. That's a great stadium. They're renovating the stadium. So that is an awesome stadium. A lot of construction it, going it's on. Na- uh, that's uh, a Neil. cool stadium because you can see the river off of it. But again, I yeah. refuse to say anything nice about Tennessee. So <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I, I will say, out of all of my uh, SEC and college football experiences, the University of Tennessee is my overall favorite of game day experiences I've been to. Matt, I have not been to a game day at Alabama, so you can take that out. I, yes, we did. We just didn't go. Oh, we didn't go. Okay, I've been I've been to multiple game days at Alabama, Georgia, but I've never, I've never been to a tailgate and like a, not like a not a, at a cigar bar tailgate. I, I just at, well, like that was also bar. in 2020. There was a ton of regulations, so it wasn't. For, a, no, it, it was <laughs> not in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Yeah, yeah, you you like, remember the lines we had to like that we we skipped, but we we saw them. We saw the line. I mean, there they, was a line. We did there. wait in line. There was a we line waited. in Alabama. There, was there wasn't the, a line dude, for the World Series, but right, there was for Alabama. There was no, there was no line for the cigar bar we went to for our tailgate. No, that was like a yard party. And there was no, yes, sir, you're right. And there was, there was well, a line to get into the bar we went to. Red Shed. But no, what is it called? Is by it the end of the red show, shed, dude, red by the end of the night, it was butt to butt in that place. There, there was not any regulations not, on the bars. No, not on the bars, but like the tailgating. I've, like I don't, that, think, I don't know. The, like the quad, did. the quad normally is. Mm-hmm. It's sort of similar. We didn't even go look at it. So I have no idea how. Yes, yeah. uh, we almost we were thinking about buying tickets to the game, but I'm definitely glad we didn't. We talked ourselves out of it. I have much preferred blacking out at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I like the Tennessee game day. Like what for them? Okay. You know, it's not for me, it, but for them, good for them. Let the one you. thing that I didn't like was the garage deck tailgate, like like all the parking deck tailgates. 
Oh, I didn't even see that. That's and like the the only thing that I think is kind of cool that they do is like the boats out on the Tennessee River. The Vol Navy, yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. And I'll say this too: when I say game day experience, I don't mean just tailgate. I mean tailgate along with being right, in right, the right, game. right. Because if we're talking tailgates, Oxford, Mississippi is by far the best. Oh yeah, one thousand game day experience, hundred percent. It's not even and, close. And the in stadium experience at Oxford is really great too. So I'm not knock, knocking Oxford, but Neyland Stadium. I went for a game where Tennessee was not good. This was 2019. Tennessee was pretty bad. I think they had a losing record going into that game against Georgia. And the stadium was packed with fans, totally packed. There was a ton of Georgia fans, but it was all on the top deck, all the lower deck up into, like, the the very spot of the top deck was filled with Vols fans. And it was loud. It was the loudest stadium I've ever been in. Oh, I've been in LSU Stadium against Georgia Southern, granted, but it was the first game of the year, so you know everybody was going to go. Yeah. So... And LSU was great, too. LSU is probably second on my list. And Georgia doesn't count because, obviously, I'm biased towards Georgia right. or Georgia Southern. Um, but Neyland Stadium is very awesome. I, so I, I'll, I'll give Good you for that. you for getting to go see yeah. the stadium. It was, I'll give you that. That was very cool. Neyland is And really that, cool. that campus is really it's, nice, too. Neyland is huge. It's huge. Like, it's just so big. And it's so loud. It's, it's so loud on the it's inside. He was cool. I saw a lot of stadiums that weren't like, uh, like uh, Georgia and, like, Paulson and a number of other stadiums, you kind of dig down for the field. Uh, I saw a lot of stadiums this weekend that were ground level stadium built up from the ground. So they were just massive structures. Really cool. I really enjoyed seeing some of those campuses I'd never seen. I wish it wasn't summer because it was really dead around. And I was just kind of on my own. Um, and I was only there for a very short time. I was on some of the campuses for like less than an hour. So, but it was cool to get to see them. Uh, and hopefully I'll get to make it back up for some game days. But uh, all right, we're. Um, I think we're gonna go into a little bit of open mic here for our poor one. Now, cut them off. No, there's no no open mic about it. I know who my two are. I'm getting Nathan Kissler, and our buddy Ian Kessler is gonna go we've, after. We've him. been uh, lucky to have a little bit of a peanut gallery here for the last two episodes, so we're gonna get some input here from the uh, from the peanut gallery. Appreciate the uh, invite again, fellas. I want to pour one out real quick for Bill Clark, former head football coach over at UAB. Uh, stepping down with some medical issues, saying that he's got a bad back, and you know you got to do what's best for you and your family when it comes to those situations. So poor went out for Bill Clark and all that he's done with the UAB football program, building them back up from the ground up once they got folded and after the 2014-15 season, um, and bringing them back to where they were. And uh, I want to cut cut off uh, Le'Veon Bell. Hey, I, if there's one guy I would not want to fight. Is the child slayer himself, Adrian Peterson? So. Oh my God! <laughs> well, you know why Bill Clark's back hurts so bad because he's been single-handedly carrying that school's reputation for the past like four or five years. So I understand the back problem. But uh, I guess what I'm gonna uh, pour one out for is, you know, I really don't know, but I can go with one. I gave you actually not. I'm gonna cut one. Off. I'm gonna start with my cut one off. And it's not because I'm a Georgia fan, but just because this is just, I think, one of the funniest and most savage things I've ever seen in, like, recruiting. This kid was on a visit. An offensive tackle was on a visit to Florida, and while he was on the visit, he released that he was committing to Florida State. At Florida? While he was at Florida. That's actually really funny. And it was just like, everybody was like, wow. And I would also, you know, I'm just going to do a double cutoff, and I'm going to cut off the Brooklyn Nets because how do you have those players and you just kind of, like – with Kevin, the whole Kevin Durant stuff going on, Kyrie Irving, everybody's just kind of jumping ship. Well, they just re-signed Kyrie. Oh, they okay. Yeah, so he, that he picked up his like, like literally like a couple hours. Okay, so not cut him off as hard, but mm. just like with everything going but on. You're right. I mean, they've they haven't really even competed. And you know what? Actually, you know what? I know what I'll pour one out. I'll pour one out for Kevin Durant. 
because of the way he's like standing up for himself. I, I saw a thing where he was talking about they were like jumping on him and like giving him a lot of hell. And Char- like Charles that. Barkley basically said, "You can't win a title without doing going to a team that had won seventy three games." Uh, like yeah, I, so far, like, <laughs> like come on, man. But, like, yeah, but like Kevin Durant's always been like a really good player. He did a lot of great things before he went to Golden State. He went to Golden State, obviously. You know that's where he actually won his titles, but left. But he's he's a great player, and you know I just like seeing them defend themselves because you know they are in such a public light. And they usually they just have to take everything that comes their way. And I like to see when they actually like stand up for themselves like in a respectful way, where it's like, hey man, like I'm a human too. I, I, I like that. I'm the opposite because I'm like, you 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 are a professional athlete that makes millions and millions and millions of dollars, and if you can't take the heat <laughs> in that, like you you like you think that pressure is you know winning a championship, and somebody's like, oh man, he can't do it, like. Charles Barkley's basically saying you're one of the greatest players ever and you're struggling because you need help Charles right? Barkley never won one. Or, n- no, but he was on the Suns and he didn't he really never jump he ship. Never jump ship. He went he Even stuck that, with the Suns. Hey, say that to Mike Gundy. All right, they're making millions of dollars now in college football. He may be he may be a man. He's forty. He, but don't be coming after his Dude, I now. love that quote. <laughs> Have you ever heard like the player he did that defendant for like came out and was like, You ruined my life? I never did hear that. Yeah, the the player was like, yeah, my reputation was shot after that. Like, he put it all on the blame of Mike Gundy, and Mike Gundy was like, dude, I was defending you. What do you mean? The more you know. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, for all you listeners out there, next week we will be starting, or potentially this week, we'll see, we will be starting a college football offseason preview uh, series that we are starting. Um, I myself do a college football prediction that I typically do not release uh, in light of getting hated on. So we are going to release those predictions on this show, and uh, we will see what Matt and Landon <laughs> And then we'll hate on you. <laughs> yeah, and then these guys will hate on me. Um, so stay tuned for that next week. or uh, The first one will either be SEC or Pac-12, depending on when we do it and depending on how much time we got? So y'all tune in. Uh, we might have a peanut gallery, might not. We'll see what happens. Uh, Want to put that out there? Well, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, we appreciate it. Before you guys log off today, please don't forget to drop us a five star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Give us a follow on our Instagram and TikTok at Around the Keg and our Twitter at Around the Keg Pod. If you'd like to help support future episodes, please click the support link in the description of today's episode or check out our merch at AroundTheKeg.com. Send us any questions or topics you want us to discuss on the show, and we'll be happy to include as much as we can. Have a great week. See y'all.